Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Welcome, Emily. How's your day going? Good morning. It's going really well. As you would know, we're in our fifth lockdown here in Victoria. It's a little bit challenging juggling work, a small business, um, running a household and, and looking after what I refer to now as my firecracker toddler at home. But th- there's no complaints. Um, sunny shining today in Melbourne, which is a rarity in winter and definitely keeping busy. Oh, it certainly sounds like it. You're wearing many hats. So I can't wait to get into it. Me too. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and what's been your career pathway? Because I know it's been interesting. Absolutely. So it's been quite diverse. When I left high school, I made the decision to study social science. And that was a last minute change. Um, Throughout my entire high school education, I was adamant I was going to become either a sports scientist or a physical education teacher. But in the last two years of high school, I really started to develop an interest in the social sector and social science. So I studied social science at RMIT University. And whilst studying, I worked part-time in a number of different sectors. I worked in the healthcare sector for a couple of years. I also worked in the telecommunications sector. And when it was time to search for a permanent um, employment opportunity, I recall some very wise words that dad said to me. I believe I was in year seven or year eight at the time. And that was, Emily, when you find yourself in a position that you're going to start looking into companies that you want to work for, make sure you find an organisation or a company where you can align your personal values to their company values. And at that time, it made some sense, but it makes a hell of a lot more sense now. So what I did is I didn't necessarily focus on aligning my skills to the particular jobs that were being advertised. I started to research into some of Australia's biggest companies. And I actually landed, um, it was back in 2004, I landed a job within the finance sector. Now, at the time, I did not study finance. In fact, accounting was probably one of my most weakest subjects in high school. (laughs) But what I did find was this incredible organisation that was extremely progressive in the way that they were addressing key social, economic and environmental issues and a real rarity in the financial sector. The reality is is that our banks tend to get bashed in the media, but they also do incredible work within the community. So for the past 16 years, I have worked for one of Australia's largest financial institutions. And for the past 12 years, I've been a dedicated relationship director in supporting our social sector and social enterprise strategy here in Victoria. I love my role. I love the customers that I get to connect with on a daily basis. I enjoy the people that I work with. I welcome the opportunity to engage in the development of our strategies for the sector I've been given a lot of opportunities as a female leader within the business over the years. I've never really had a reason to to look elsewhere. During my time working in the corporate sector, I've also had a career as a sports person. I was a competitive athlete for a number of years, actually competing internationally as, as a bodybuilder. And again, my employer gave me the opportunity to take sporting leave and I was preparing for competition. So again, really a great reflection of taking some time to choose the right corporation to work for that actually is going to support you not only professionally and personally. And that sporting career spiked my interest in the health and nutrition space. When I was on maternity leave, 
I returned to study and formalised my qualification as a nutritionist and a wellbeing advisor. So in addition to uh, a pretty busy corporate life, I also run a side nutrition business, supporting men, women and families and also the corporate sector in really starting to develop a more positive relationship with food. And also, you've got a daughter as well. How old is she I now? I do. I have a firecracker toddler. She is two years and two months old, um, little Frankie. So she is an absolute gem, a, a joy. She is definitely our rainbow. We had quite a, a challenge, a few fertility struggles along the way, but you know, she certainly had made all those tears and years of hard work worth, worthwhile. Those rainbow babies certainly do, I've got. I've got two myself. Oh, um, such a so joy. They are. So all the struggles that you go through, it just happens to be that as soon as they're born, it's not that you forget the journey no, that you've been no. on, but it certainly makes everything that you've been on so much. You you know why you've gone through all the pain Absolutely. To, to get there. Absolutely. No. So those rainbow babies are certainly very special. So understand not all the struggles that you've been through, but some of them, I'm sure. So really looking forward to today's chat. So we're going to be talking all things nutrition related, which is just such an interesting topic because I know that I think in different phases of parenting, in my experience, that you've first of all got your challenge of, you know, breastfeeding, and then it goes into, you know, sleep and things like that. And then once they start eating, that's a whole new ball game. It doesn't <laughs> last. It doesn't last a week. It lasts literally years. I think for the last two and a half years with my son since he started solids, it's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I think that can also um, be a polite way of referring to it for many parents as well. <laughs> yeah. And I know that it's a real headache for a lot of parents, mm-hmm. like in terms of managing the juggle between career and, and parenting and that. Meal planning and dinner time stresses mm-hmm. is probably because you've just had a long day in the office and you're like, oh no, dinner time. Yeah. Because you've also got tired kids that have come home from childcare or from care and things like that. And even for myself, speaking from experience, it can be a bit of anxiety and tempers can get flared and it things like that. Certainly can be. So, how can we navigate this interesting time? I would say. <laughs> Again, a very polite way of putting yeah. it for some families. <laughs> Look, with dinner and, and food acceptance and things like that. I don't know, that's a very loaded question. No, look, there is absolutely no doubt that when it comes to meal preparation, in particular for dinner time, that planning is key. And in fact, a study back in 2017 showed that adults that plan their meals ahead of time are number one, going to follow nutritional guidelines more closely. Number two, ate a wider variety of food. And number three, were less likely to be obese than those who cooked dinner just on the fly. And and we can talk in greater detail on some of the meal preparation strategies and ideas very shortly. So in addition to, I guess, planning ahead, I'm a really huge fan of embracing leftovers and keeping your freezer and fridge fully stocked with ready-made meals. How do you do that? Well, I think you need to be realistic with your schedule. So if you're a busy woman or, or man between Monday and Friday, then obviously the weekend is going to be the more suitable time for your meal preparation. 
get your partner involved, get the kids involved. If you have more time on the weekend, then use that time to cook the foods that are going to take a little bit longer. I mean, everyone loves the Sunday roast, but it does take a little, little bit of time to, to cook a delicious Sunday roast. And during the week, keep it simple, you know, tacos, chili con carne, steak and potatoes, um, a quick pasta. And whilst making those, you can also inject a bit of fun and activity when you get the family involved. So you can have themes associated with the meals on a weekly basis, you know, meat fruit Monday or, or a taco Tuesday. You know, forming the habit of cooking in bulk allows you to also have lunch and even dinner ready for the next day. And we all know that when food is safely stored, meals can be frozen and stored away in the freezer for actually a few months, which allows you just to grab and go or grab and defrost. The only disclaimer I put there is one that I wouldn't recommend for you to keep in the fridge for very long would be cooked rice. So rice is something that I'd either encourage you to eat on the day, no longer than 24 hours in the fridge. Now, I'm also a huge fan of investing in any sort of equipment that's going to make meal preparation easier. So for adults, things like a slow cooker, which will allow you to you know, plan the night before and all you have to do is pop it on in the morning or an air fryer, which gives you some really healthy alternatives to, to chips or to crispy vegetables, really quick, really easy, really healthy way of, of making, food, um, making food. I'm currently experimenting with a number of meal delivery companies as well. So again, disclaimer, I'm a nutritionist, but I don't necessarily have the best culinary skills. And I can also identify ahead if I've got a busy week and I'm going to struggle to get nutritious food onto the plate for my family. So at the moment, I've had deliveries from the dinner ladies, love their full disclosure of all the ingredients. They have meals for families, they have meals for toddlers, they have single serve meals, they have bulk meals, a really great affordable way to take the stress out of preparing for dinner. If you're someone that prefers to actually be involved in the cooking process, and there are also those ready meal kit companies. And one that I actually am experimenting with at the moment, I have for a few weeks, is every plate. And reason being quick, simple, I do add a little bit more vegetables to those meals to bulk up the nutritional value. But what I like about every plate is, you know, when you read a recipe and it tells you it's going to take you 25 minutes to cook and for some reason you're still going on an hour and hour Yes, <laughs> yes, every <laughs> recipe. <laughs> and I think, what am I doing wrong? I, I followed everything. Is it taking me too long to peel the vegetables? Am I boiling the water for too long? I found with every plate that it's quite accurate in terms of its timing recommendations and most of the meals, in fact, don't take any longer than 35, 45 minutes. So I'm a huge fan at the moment of um, the meals that I'm experimenting with there. So one pot wonders, casseroles, stews, even pies. If I'm making a pie, I, I try to use a pan that I can transfer straight to the oven. So I'll, I'll cook the inside, the mince, the vegetables, and I'll pop the sheet of pastry on top and then put it in the oven. So it just sort of saves not only, I guess, you know, the washing the washing up, but it just means that I don't have to be roaming around for an extra, you know, utensil and what is already quite a stressful situation. Uh, so, you know, to summarise, I guess stress at dinner time just isn't about 
the cooking process. When we think about dinner, we're probably already subconsciously thinking about all the cleanup and dealing with the whining kids who are telling us that they're hungry from the moment we've picked them up from school. And then they may not like the food that you've just put in front of them either. (laughs) Exactly. So I guess one of the mistakes that parents make is they either deny the child of a snack after school which means they're just going to whine and whine even more, or they're giving them a snack option which isn't nourishing and keep them full for a little bit longer until dinner time. My advice there would be if they're asking for a snack, cut them some fruit, give them some vegetables with a you know a, a side of hummus or some avocado dip. If they are telling you they're hungry, they most likely are hungry. By the time they get, it gets to dinner, whether it's two hours, one hour or two hours later, you, you want everyone to be in the best mood possible. And we all know that we don't function optimally if we're hungry. So don't deny them snack. Give them a snack. Just make sure it's a, a, a good choice when it comes to um, giving them a snack option. And post-dinner, share the load. You know, share the load with the cleanup, share the load with trying to prep out what meals the family could be enjoying over the next over the next week or so and ensure that everyone is, you know, having a good conversation over dinner. I remember dinner is not just about the food that's in front of you. Dinner is also an opportunity for the entire family to sit together and to re- interact and to show a genuine interest in how that individual's day has gone. Oh, that's such, so many helpful tips in there around, yeah, the meal delivery, the sharing the load, the planning, and, and it's also around the communication and the connection. Yeah, it's more than just the it's food. It's more than just the food of yeah. and actually looking at it. And, yeah, and sometimes as well with young kids, you can also distract them a little bit mm-hmm. and then that actually take the focus away from what you've actually put in front of them. Yeah, and it's totally okay to commit to a takeout night or a dinner night out as a family. I mean, who doesn't like to have a meal cooked for them with zero washing up? <laughs> I mean, I certainly do. <laughs> I certainly do. It's a nice way I, for our household. It's a Tuesday night. I, I can't even remember why we picked Tuesday, but we have a local restaurant that we like to go to. My daughter feels quite comfortable there. The seats are, are comfortable for her and she will sit there and uh, most occasions will eat her dinner if she doesn't. She'll quietly draw or you know, have the, the iPad and play some educational games. Yeah, it's certainly helpful to have those routines. And I think meal planning definitely can help take the stress mm-hmm, away. Definitely. Uh, and then that you know what you're going through as opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, my goodness. It's just like anything in life. If you're planned, you've thought about it, you've also mentally prepared for that, it will yeah. certainly really help the situation and alleviate some of that stress. Definitely. With meal preparation, I when I work with my clients, I tend to give them eight really key points that they can focus on to, to help take the pressure when it comes to meal preparation. You know, the first of it being you know, keep it simple. Select just a few options. Select a few veggie options. Select a few protein options. Select a few carbohydrate options and start with that. Do not overwhelm yourself and it's totally okay to use frozen fruit or vegetables or pre-chopped vegetables and salad bags. It is totally okay. That's going to ensure that you're going to put something on the plate that's going to give you the vitamins and the minerals that your body deserves and it's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with using them. Number two, when you're completing your shop or upon delivery of it, remember a lot of us have now transitioned to online, I personally try to get into the habit of chopping or slicing up my fruit and veg in advance. And that encourages me to actually use it during the week. And when I'm opening up the fridge, I don't feel 
burdened by the fact that I have to start from scratch. Half of the work is already being done. Always write a shopping list, whether it's going into the supermarket or going or shopping online, always write a shopping list. And you will notice even if you have transitioned to shopping online, supermarkets are very cheeky. They'll let you get to check out and then they'll have a little reminder to say, hey, Emily, have you forgotten this, 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 this? And this? Yes. <laughs> well, this is on special, you sure? You don't oh, want this, this chocolate? That's right. <laughs> and it's often, it's often something that's a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a treat than something that you actually need. So if you, you write you're more likely to stick to purchasing only the items on the list. Always wash your dishes if you can while you're prepping so you're not overwhelmed with this huge pile that's in the sink at the end of it all because we feel, you know, we've really accomplished something when we get all the food ready for the week and then we turn around to the kitchen thinking that, oh, God, we've got another hour to go. So if you can wash dishes as you prep, wash your dishes. Um, In terms of chopping your fruit and veg to make sure that they cook and bake evenly, chop them in evenly sized portions, multitask when you can. So roast your starchy vegetables while you're using your um, your stovetop or the air fryer. I'm a huge fan of an air fryer. And with your, you know, vegetables like potatoes will bake pretty quickly in the microwave. And um, again, steamable veggie bags are perfectly okay to use. Store any surplus fruit or vegetables that you may have, making sure that these fruit or vegetables do have a, um, a low water content pop them in the bag. If you feel like you're not going to use everything that you have chopped up, take the air out of it and store them in the freezer. And again, in general, if food is stored correctly in the fridge, it will last about three days and freezer for a few months, but just be mindful of foods like rice. I would either discard them immediately or consume them within a 24 hour period. One thing I absolutely loved as a new mum my favourite mum purchase, there was many of them I didn't need, but I can tell you this was my absolute favourite mum purchase, and that was the baby cook from Yaba. Absolutely worth the investment because it saves parents so much time. This unicorn device, I call it this unicorn device because it steams, blends, defrosts, reheats safely and easily, and there's absolutely no need for a microwave, and it's serving nutritious food to your child from first solids all the way through through to adulthood. And I say adulthood because I started using it for my own meal prep as well. So if you're expecting or if you have a family member or a friend that's inspecting, have a look into that because it will save any parents so much time when it comes to meal preparation for their child. What's it called again? I'm literally about to start my uh, five-month-old on solids in the next couple of weeks. So what is it? So it's, it, it, the company is Biaba and they've got two versions. They have a Neo and a Baby Cook. And beautiful range of colours to choose from. It looks perfect on, you know, we have all those appliances where you're just like, oh, I wish it wasn't there because it makes the kitchen look terrible. These are actually so aesthetically pleasing looking as well. All right. I'm, I'm going to, I've written that down and I'm now going to go Google it. It is a this. game changer, an absolute game changer. Whichever is looking for those, it's just like in sport. It's just those one percenters that can oh. really help us, you know, with the meal prep and because you know, and the foods and things like that are just so challenging. And I saw you did a post a little while ago on Instagram of saying carbs aren't all bad because there's a no. lot of there's a lot of myths out there about what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating, of mm-hmm. don't eat this and don't have that. And then you're thinking, mm-hmm. as a parent, how can I be a working mum that has organic this and all prepared? And yeah. 
It's also these stories that are being told to us and this extra pressure around meal prep. And you think, oh my goodness, like Mm -hmm. I'm just doing everything at the moment. And then I'm now being a bad mom because I'm not saving up my child, the meat and three veg and all nutritious. And, but really at the end of the day, all I want is some carbs. So yeah, that's right. And carbs, carbs are not bad for you at all. Carbs are the body's preferred source of energy. And when we're looking at good, you know, the, the terminology, good food and bad food, I think we just, we, we've got to remind ourselves that every individual is different with different needs and different goals. And over the years, we it's drilled into us of what we should be eating and what we should not be eating. My preference would be, uh, advice I'd give to anyone is to take that real zero guilt approach when it comes to food and personally encouraging clients to be more sustainable with their eating habits. It's important for individuals to understand why they should be consuming consuming certain macronutrients, i.e. your fats, your proteins, your carbohydrates. When individuals are empowered with that knowledge and understanding, they are more likely to be compliant when adhering to a nutrition plan. So when you often... And we see it all now. It's so rife in the health and fitness industry, nutrition world, all these downloadable plans which aren't customised to an individual's requirements. It's often quite restrictive in certain food groups and that can be overall quite detrimental to an individual's health. What it also doesn't take into account is that for many people, they associate weight loss with happiness. And what I've learned over the years is that if an individual is unhappy and unlies the number on the scale with ultimate success, well, they are ultimately setting themselves up mm. for failure from day one, from day one. So a good, healthy nutrition plan is one that helps you improve your overall health. And it's a plan that provides your body with the protein, the fats, the carbohydrates, and all the vitamins and minerals and the hydration it needs to, you know, to, to function on a daily basis. So it's a plan that is filled with variety and diversity and that you enjoy eating and it's not restrictive. And it includes all the important five food groups, your grains, your fruits, your veggies, your legumes, your lean cuts of meat and dairy. And it will overall not only support the improvement of your physical well-being, but also your emotional and psychological well-being as well. And we often we often don't realise the importance of eating well and its link between really good emotional and psychological well-being. So don't think a diet has to be all or nothing. It certainly doesn't have to be all or nothing. Eating well doesn't mean you must, you know, it doesn't have to worry about eating healthy all the time. It does allow you to have your treats occasionally. So just to summarise and to simplify it, remember to keep hydrated, limit your alcohol consumption and avoid foods that are high in trans fat, salt and sugar, include a different variety of food groups, eat your carbohydrates. They're so important. Do not eat your carb, do do not avoid eating carbohydrates. When you are looking at losing weight or or if fat loss is a goal for you, it's as simple as this. If your fat loss, it relates to you having to eat in a calorie deficit. If you're wanting to build muscle, that relates to eating a calorie surplus. If you're wanting to just incorporate a much more healthy and well-balanced diet, just ensure that you're including a variety of different fruits and and different fruits, vegetables and proteins and fats that are actually good for you and that are going to nourish your mind, body and soul. And it's what you said when you start around one of those strategies around meal planning. If you're planning for the week ahead, you can go, right, I'm having 
carbs on one day, maybe a rice another day. I'm having fish Absolutely. on a different thing. So by actually meal planning, it allows you to go, okay, I want to eat all these different things. Yeah. And how can I then incorporate that into the week rather than going, oh no, what am I going to have? What have I had a few days ago? And, and just that stress that way by having a balanced diet, by planning it out, it certainly allows you to have that balance. And veggies are so versatile. Look at look at the humble potato. You know, you've got humble potato, which you can turn into chips. You can turn into roast potato. You can turn into mash either to serve on its own or top on or put on top of a pie. I mean, I think we're often we we limit ourselves and we are often quite restrictive in the way that we eat certain foods because we assume that that potato has to be boiled in order for it to be healthy. And that's just not the case. There's nothing wrong with chopping up the potato, even leaving the skin on. I'm a huge fan of leaving the skin on because it just saves so much time. Leave the skin on, drizzle it with some olive oil, a little bit of salt and pepper, put it in the oven. It's still a healthy option. It's a wonderfully healthy option. So don't restrict yourself in assuming that vegetables have to be steamed in order to be healthy. As long as you're consuming vegetables in a way that's actually going to help you increase the intake of those vegetables, it's a good option. Yeah, that's so helpful and such a good reminder because, as I said, there's so much guilt that goes around, you know, with, with parents and then also weight and things like that, That and particularly in lockdown, you do go, oh, you know, might be a little bit naughty and, and that today <laughs> or two, you know. But it's one of those things that you are told you need to eat this and eat that mm-hmm. and be good or all these different diets and respect everyone needs a different diet and that's individualised. We're talking very generically here and respect everyone needs different diets for different health circumstances. But, yeah, it can be really, really stressful. I think what adds to that stress of, of parenting that if you're seeing someone else put up on Instagram, oh, look at what my kids have eaten in your life. It's so stressful. Oh, you know, it's so, so that's why it's so important that you do what's best for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And that's where meal planning can certainly really play that role of helping you do that. And meal planning doesn't have to take a lot of time, does it? Not at all. Not at all. If we look specifically, you know, and for a lot of, I guess, women who may be looking at regaining their health and fitness post-pregnancy, they might be looking for, they might have a little bit of a different goal to what they're preparing for their family in advance, but it doesn't mean you have to complete a completely prepared separate meals um, in order to, to meet those goals. It may mean that you reduce your portion size or you might reduce the, the fat um, component to that particular meal. We, we certainly don't want parents being overwhelmed by the fact that they have to cook separately in order to ensure that everyone in the family has a nutritious meal in front of them that's individualised and customised to their own specific goals. Again, it's about experimenting. And if you are feeling a little bit overwhelmed in terms of what you prepare for the family, engaging the family during that preparation is really, really helpful to delivering overall success at dinner time or at any meal time, in fact. So asking asking the kids, you know, if they're old enough to be involved or to make decisions, what are they going to enjoy eating? And perhaps give them a day of the week where they have full control over what's, you know, what's served or, or what gets chosen as a, as a meal option for that particular day. 
And again, being creative with different fruits and, and different vegetables in the way that you cook them, in the way that you season them, you'd be surprised by just how adding some herbs and spices completely transforms the same type of protein or the same the same vegetable. I've recently, I was probably about six months ago, I started roasting cauliflower. Okay, oh, yes, yum. I may have been late to the, may have been late to the game. But I put that into a salad and I was like, wow. And then I actually seasoned it with some Cajun seasoning. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, delicious. Um, Even different types of oils as well. You know, you've got your olive oil, you've got your avocado oil, you've got macadamia oil. Even by adding different um, nuts, chopped nuts to meals, it changes the taste and the flavour. So it doesn't necessarily mean about having to change the actual, you know, key protein if I can say if you're if you've got leftover mince that you want to use up in the fridge it doesn't mean that you have to not use that mince because you used it you had a mince meal the day before but mince is such a versatile protein you can go from having spag bowl to chili con carne to tacos to meatballs so being you know a little again a little bit more creative in the way that you prepare the same food item just by adding different ingredients or different herbs and spices that may transform the taste. Yeah, I, my mince for me with my son at the moment is a life saviour because he's full transparency, not loving chicken. And uh, so mince for us is actually the way that I'm able to get some some protein into him and, and do it. So for me, Absolutely. it's whatever it takes. It's whatever it takes. And I've been very transparent, as you know, in my social media posts with the challenges we've had with my daughter and, and from a very, very early age. I mean, if, even if I look back at breastfeeding, I had a, you know, I didn't have the breastfeeding journey that I hoped I had and we transitioned her to solids, solids quite early on the back of advice from our paediatrician. If I, I, I did, I admittedly, I used to get so stressed when I would read the back of formula teen and would tell me, based on her age, how much she should be consuming. And she at that stage may have been having a quarter of what that recommendation was. And I there was days after days, months after months, where I would just cry because I felt like the one area that I would have absolutely mastered when it came to the upbringing of my child would be nutrition. I mean, I, I've studied this. I've lived and breathed this. <laughs> it was so important to me. And we saw so many different specialists. Um, in fact, that's where I learned that speech pathologists specialise in infant feeding. And we saw many different speech pathologists to, to help us on her journey. And remarkably, I don't know how, even with the little amount of food that she still eats, she's thriving, absolutely thriving. She's 90th percentile for her height. She's 75th percentile for her weight. I do not know how. Yeah. I do not know how. <laughs> And a lot of the um, a lot of the advice and recommendations that I do give to other families, they work. You know, they they see the change in their child's eating patterns and behaviour when you know either they engage them during their preparation process, or they're plating up food where they have one food item which they know that they will eat, one that's a maybe and one that's a no. The little strategies which more often than not have overall success. In my household, oh no, my firecracker toddler is so stubborn, <laughs> so stubborn. And sometimes it is about survival mode. Um, we certainly don't give in to her demands and requests for, for chocolate too often. Um, again, I want to ensure that she's getting presented with good, nutritious foods. But sometimes no matter what advice you give her, no matter what specialist that you see, you just have to continue to persevere on a daily basis Stick that you know. Stick to what is working for you and what's working for your child. If they are healthy, 
if they are being nourished, if they're if you're encouraging the right behaviours, you would hope that in time you'll have a favourable outcome when it comes to healthy eating habits. Yeah, and that's such great advice and such a good reminder to tell people that, yeah, just stick with it and do what's what's really important for you and your family. And, and look, it's, it's tough. It's a real struggle sometimes. Just to backtrack on something that you said earlier, Mm-hmm. You just said about having, like when you're plating up, having something that they like, sort of the maybes mm-hmm. and the the new one. Do you want to just explain a little bit more about that concept? Absolutely. So this is the concept that was introduced to us via our, one of the specialists that we were working with at the time. And by presenting those three different options, you know that, number one, the food that the child is going to eat, they're more than likely to eat it during that meal. So they'll pick it up and they eat it. With the maybe food, the intent there is that hopefully one day with enough exposure to that particular food, that maybe food will become a yes food. And that no food, and I can assure you there's plenty of no foods in our household, by exposing the child to that no food on a regular basis, the, the plan is in, you know, that one day will actually become a maybe food, a food that they'll actually pick up and at least put in their mouth. And even if they do spit out, spit it out, they've attempted it and have given it a go and have experimented with it. And so what do you do when you've got that no food in terms of wastage? Is it something that you then yourself know that you may eat or just go, look, I've just got to write that off and not feel guilty about food wastage? In, in our in our household, there's not many foods that either myself or my partner do not eat, and we're very conscious of of food wastage. So, from you know, if she hasn't touched it, then it's probably okay to put back in the fridge and, and try again. If food has been touched or it has been out of its packaging or at room temperature for too long, unfortunately, you've got no other option but to discard it or. If you've got pets, you've got a pretty happy household. Yeah, my, my <laughs> dog sometimes is waiting just below. Ha ha, she's, she loves yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, we've got a, a very overweight 15-year-old chocolate Labrador who's very happy with our daughter's eating habits. <laughs> so there are many times where you know, he, does get, he does get the leftovers. So the no foods, again, they're more than likely not to touch it because we try to serve her food that we are eating again not stressing her too much but having to prepare meals separately for her nine times out of ten James and I will just eat what she hasn't eaten yeah that's such good advice and um and really helpful so if you are struggling having that approach of Abbott is is really important and uh, a good friend of mine is actually a speech pathologist as well and I had no idea the role that they play in eating. Huge. It's something that uh, is really helpful to actually also know that that's another health professional to actually then seek service and support from. So if you are going through some challenges and things like that, there are specialist speech pathologists, particularly for kids and nutrition. It is a field that does, you aren't alone if you're going through struggles, just like everything and a lot of topics that I speak on this podcast about it's also letting you know that if you're struggling with food with your kids, even in your own self, particularly at the moment in winter, I'm guilty of this myself of going, yep, I'm just going to take that extra chocolate from the cupboard. <laughs> I've even got ingredients at the moment for, for making Rocky Road at home. My husband said to me, when are you going to make that? <laughs> but it's things, it's just little things of also, I said, look, I'm not making it at the moment because we made muffins at the start of the week. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. balance out what we're doing. And, and it's all about balance. It really is all about balance. And, and if I could just touch on a point, because it's very important, 
If you do find yourself in a position where you are struggling with introducing foods or increasing the intake of the food for your child, please, please, please engage with a qualified health professional. Most nutritionists, in fact, aren't even qualified, and most people may not agree, know this, but most nutritionists, unless they're a dietitian, aren't qualified to be treating people under the age of 16 years old. So ensure you're researching qualified paediatric dietitians and qualified speech for pathologists who specialise in infant feeding. And know that there are many options available on social media at the moment. And yes, influencers may have had some success, but please, 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 this is your child's health. Invest in ensuring you are actually appointing someone who's qualified to help you on this journey. That's such a good reminder and such a good point that, yeah, there's social media is rife to tell you at times when you're not doing the right things, but certainly won't be there when you're really in the trenches with it because you are, you're seeking qualified people is such an important step. So thank you so much for that reminder. And just for ourselves as, you know, new mums, even working mums, we can sometimes neglect our own health and we'll go for mm-hmm. just that quick snack item or you'll have a little <laughs> bit of just the kids leftover lunch because you don't know yes. when you're going to have the opportunity to get something again. And I just from even a personal experience, I find that my eating with a second child is probably worse than with my first because my first I had a lot more naturally. time naturally. Yeah. Second, yeah. you're just running from one kid to another. Mm-hmm. and Obviously, health and fitness can be very closely related back to your diet. So what are some steps and some strategies that we can take to start changing our mindset and our behaviors around the food that we and our diets to Mm -hmm. really also help our mental health that will then make us help feel a little bit better and just function overall? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the number one step I encourage all my clients to take would be to keep a food diary for a few days because this is going to capture what you are actually eating and from there you can easily identify the nutrition gaps that you may have and that need to be filled. Now, people are often surprised when they review that diary and look back at just how much food that they are eating and in some cases how little they are eating for whatever reason. And from there, you're able to then determine what your health-related goal is. Is is it fat loss? And um, is it muscle building? Is it trying different foods? Is it, you know, introducing a greater variety of of foods? Or perhaps it's about managing a particular illness or disease. Number one tip, and I would absolutely agree with a post I recently read by Jessica Young, nutritionist. She was my mentor during my final stages of study. And her advice wants to increase, number one, increase your fibre intake because we know that fibre is so important for your digestive health and for your regular bowel movements. And there's two different types of of fibre here. I don't want to get too scientific, but just to give you a a very brief overview, we have our soluble fibre, which is going to lower the glycemic index of of the foods, lower our bad uh, cholesterol and stabilise our blood sugar levels. So making sure we're eating oats, our citrus fruits, our apples, our peas and carrots, And then we also have our insoluble fibre. And this is what adds bulk to to our stools. And it's also going to help us stay full for a little bit longer. And we're going to find this type of fibre in whole grains, in wheats, in vegetables, in nuts and in beans. So, you know, if we are tracking what we're eating and a lot of apps these days, even MyFitnessPal will also give you the fibre breakdown of each food. And 
as women over the age of 18, you know, approximately 25 to 30 grams of fibre a day is where is what we should be targeting. So that would be um, number one, really, really quick and easy fix. Two would be to stock your fridge and cupboard and remove any temptation. If you're someone who can have it there and not be tempted, great. If you know yourself and you are going to give in to the chocolate biscuits or the chocolate muffins, then just remove it, get rid of it. It's totally okay for the short term to not have it there until you're actually starting to incorporate and you're feeling a little bit more confident with the choices that you're making. Never go shopping or even do your shopping on an empty stomach. You will find that if you do that, you will be tempted to purchase items that you do not necessarily need, number one, for your overall health and well-being, and number two, for your wallet. So have something small to eat before you do any sort of shopping, whether it's in person or, or online. Eating smaller meals more frequently will ins- and ensuring that you include some sort of protein in every meal and will really help keep you fuller for longer. Now, breakfast, so important. I would always encourage my clients to eat breakfast. And with all these fad diets that suggest that breakfast isn't necessary, well, I think we need to remind ourselves that what breakfast actually is, and that's ultimately breaking the overnight fasting period. It's replenishing the supply of your glucose to boost your energy levels and your alertness. And it's also going to provide you with essential nutrients, which is required for overall good health. Again, making a shopping list before you shop and plan what meals you're going to eat and when you're going to eat it keeping your fruit bowl fully stocked at home and rotating the different types of fruits that you might have available and also varying your meals to avoid meal fatigue. So if we're quite restrictive with what we're eating on a regular basis, it's quite easy to develop meal fatigue and that's where people often derail when it comes to their incorporation of a healthy and well-being, well-balanced diet. It doesn't have to be boring. Experiment with different proteins, experiment with different carbohydrates and different fat options, different fruits and different veg. And search the internet and Instagram for some really great easy recipe and cooking tips. There's some wonderful mums out there, parents actually, that have all experience the challenge of meal preparation, incorporating a healthy diet with the career and household duties. And some of them have come up with some very, very creative ideas to be able to incorporate everything you need in terms of macro and micronutrients in a fun way, in a way that's not going to see you develop meal fatigue. Oh, that's so many helpful hints. That's amazing. And um, just further that, if you do find those hints on the internet, save them, bookmark them, write them down so absolutely share them (laughs) I I know from a personal experience I've got like a bookmark of ideas that when I'm looking for something I've even written down all these ideas that I've got for I've actually saved as a Trello board so if I'm looking for inspiration because I've got a bit of meal fatigue that's the first place that I go so yeah but definitely if you come across those recipes and sometimes you do you're trying to find bookmark them and save them into your favourites. So when you're needing those moments, yeah, they're very easy then to come back to. Absolutely. And, you know, again, very simple to adapt and to to transform those meals. So if it's a, rep- if it's a recipe that's typically asked for chicken, well, next time prepare it and see how you go using beef or, if you know, try tofu or 
So yeah, you don't have to completely reinvent no. a recipe, just substitute different proteins or different vegetables, not guaranteeing that it's going to be just as good, but you might be surprised. It's worth a try. It's worth a try. It is worth a try. Absolutely. Now, any, is there anything else you want to add, Emily, into nutrition for families and, and also particularly for women that you'd advise? Number one advice, and we have touched on this briefly, is please do not follow the advice of individuals who are not qualified to give you advice when it comes to specific goals. Often those meals that your meal plans that you're purchasing online do not take into account your individual circumstances. And that can sometimes lead to some pretty serious health consequences. You know, we, we see it all the time now, nutrition coaches, and yes, they might have some very generic advice to offer, but if you're feeling like you need a little bit more specific advice or you're not just being heard or if you have a particular illness or disease, please, please, please engage with someone that's qualified to, to give you that advice. When, when we look at calorie consumption, and I guess we immediately assume an unhealthy lifestyle to the overconsumption of calories or not eating the right types of foods. But we need to remind ourselves that undereating can also be just as uh, can have just as a negative effect on your health and well-being as well. So if you're under-eating, you're, you're going to feel irritable, you're going to have low energy levels, you're going to feel hungry constantly. It can lead to anxiety, it can lead to constipation. So please ensure that you are consuming enough calories to support your daily energy expenditure. Some really quick wins, you know, drink more water where you can increase your water consumption and a really quick way to work out your recommended fluid recommendation or your water intake is a simple calculation of 30 to 35 mils of every body weight. Now that's just of every kilo body weight, I should say that. That's just a really rough estimate. If you're residing in a warm climate, if you're if you're exercising if you have excessive sweating, you are needing to, to boost that even further. But as a bare minimum, try to aim for 30 to 35 mil per kilo of body weight when you're determining how much water you should be consuming. I encourage that because even the slightest reduction in body water can trigger signs of dehydration. So you're going to feel dizzy, you're going to feel lethargic, you're going to have more frequent headaches. You might feel like your blood pressure is reduced. So do not neglect the importance of being optimally hydrated. And don't be afraid of your carbohydrates. Yes. <laughs> you know, they have such a <laughs> fundamental role in the human body. We've already discussed that they provide our body that immediate fuel supply. They provide our body with stored energy and they're so important with assisting digestive health and, and disease prevention as well. And when you're looking at increasing your your protein try to again include protein in all the meals that you are consuming a little bit of protein at all those meals because we know that protein does fill you up which means you are less likely to overeat on other foods and if you are someone who is fairly acquired, it plays such an important role to switch on the muscle protein synthesis when our body's ability to build and maintain lean muscle. So again, making sure that we are having an adequate amount of protein. If I review, if I was to review all my clients' questionnaires at the moment, I could confidently say the one macronutrient most females probably don't eat enough of is protein. 
So really paying close attention to your protein consumption. Oh, Emily, that's been fantastic. So we could talk all day on all these topics. We can. So <laughs> I know you and I have had a number of chats offline and uh, and we can certainly talk all day on a whole range of topics. So what do you do for self-care? Because you're a very busy person with a business, working in corporate, a young little firecracker is what you say. Yeah, she's what a firecracker. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do for self-care? Ah, look, and it, it's, it's a timely question because when I was preparing for this interview, and I do believe it is um, a result of the most recent lockdown, but then again, I could also use that as an excuse. I have definitely neglected my own self-care, or as you refer to it, I like the terminology, fill your cup, um, over the past, you know, I would say a few weeks. You know, for me, me time equals self-care and that's important because I want my daughter to recognize that it's okay for mum to want to spend some time alone and on herself and I want her to know that I value myself as much as I value her and as much as I value looking after her and I can easily recognize when I haven't had enough me time because I tend to admittedly start to resent my partner. I start to feel really, really overwhelmed and I feel isolated. Naturally, motherhood can make you forget about yourself. Life is is absolutely hectic and if it's anything like our household, at times, chaotic. (laughs) And we we are, we're trying to juggle a career, we're trying to juggle family, we're trying to juggle relationships, household and extracurricular activities. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite mindful of that. So when I am diligent with my self-care, it's very different to what it was pre-having, you know, Frankie, which was very much about you know, attending the gym on several, you know, several times, several times a day. I don't have the time that, to do that anymore, but it's still very important to me. Health and fitness is very important. So I find self-care is an opportunity to have a personal training session with a friend or I've recently recommenced group fitness classes because they're, they're quick, they connect me with like-minded people and I actually don't have to think about the training um, ahead. That's all done for me. I love listening to a great podcast, getting my hair done, visiting my, you know, my favourite beauticians for a facial or even just doing a little bit more study on a topic that may be of real interest to me. I am on the back of preparing for this podcast I'm also now um, about to uh, straight after this meeting actually um, I'm about to revisit an opportunity to do some pro bono work which I've always loved doing in the past I haven't in the past few months because I just haven't had the capacity to do so but for me it is probably the most rewarding experience being able to give back to the community and help address address key social economic and, and environmental issues. Oh, Emily, it sounds like you do so much to support so many people, not only from a corporate that you work with, and I know you're pretty passionate about the role that you have there, but also then from in the nutrition space, it's often come off the back of your very successful bodybuilding career and that now is is helping influence others, but it also then Mm -hmm. be a fantastic role model to your daughter that no doubt will then follow in your footsteps and and be an inspiration for everyone else. So thank you. I, I hope so. Yes. Thank you so much for your time today. It has been an absolute delight. It's been a fantastic chat. I know that I've got a lot out of it. So if you've got any questions, where can people get a hold of you? I have a Instagram page, which is the Goodbye AU. I'm currently I'm very close to launching a, a rebranded website. I have a local mum who's helped me with that, and that will be launched at the end of this month. And that's the Goodbye AU 
Com. But even to send yourself through a DM and we'll be able to facilitate an, an introduction. And, you know, Karina, I, I love the work that you do. You know that I'm a huge advocate for the way that you're able to connect women who may be experiencing or who in fact are experiencing the same challenges and issues when it comes to motherhood and in particular trying to juggle a career with, with motherhood and a busy household and being a, a tentative partner. So thank you for being a voice for so many of us and for presenting us with an opportunity to confidentially and, and comfortably be able to express our emotions. Oh, Emily, you don't need to. So thank you so much. <laughs> no, my pleasure. So thank you. I love, I love connecting with women and um, it's, it's something I'm able to do and I really love it if I can help one other person in their day and give them that light that they yes, they can have it. And as I've heard the quote recently, you can have it all. You just don't need to do it all. Yes, yes. So that, yeah. that's my new mantra, I think, about it, my approach to being a working parent. So I love it. So, uh, no, thank you so yeah, much I for agree. everything, Emily. Um, my pleasure. I love our chats that we've had and we continue to have. So, yes, I could go on a whole other tangent, but I know this is the podcast that we need to end. <laughs> so. Thank you. Stay safe and be well. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.